Yeah, so basically it boils down to is that my dogs caught feline aids from my ferret. <laughs> I'm Canada, that's Matt, and we're somewhat confident. And we're somewhat confident. Okay, let's try that one more time. And we're somewhat, somewhat confident. confident. I don't like it. Okay. I don't like the two where the Johnson's on the answering machine. I don't like it. <laughs> Come on. We need to let people know that we're a spunky and synch synchronized team. Dear listener, you have tuned in to Somewhat Competent with your hosts, Canada and Matt. <laughs> You know who else I didn't mention? Dr. Inko Toboggins, who is our independent researcher and memeologist. Yeah. You can find him on our Discord. And he's becoming ever more responsible for the news stories you hear us discuss. Oh my god. Like, last week it was all of them, and this week it's like half of them. Yeah, he's the fifth Beatle. Yeah. I have our first uh, listener submission. Ooh, what uh, is a? Please let's define what a listener submission would be. That would be an article submitted through our Discord for uh, potential like being on the show for our consideration. For our consideration, there we go. And this Absolutely. one, this one's pretty awesome. Methamphetamine in the waterways may be turning trout into addicts. <laughs> now, damn them! Them fish are lit. You would totally expect this to be in the Pacific Northwest, but it's actually in the Czech Republic. Not saying that the the fish in the Pacific Northwest aren't drug addicts, because they probably are, but this is where we've proven that it's happening. <laughs> yeah, I actually am a little surprised. But you know what? Czech Republic only comes in like... I, I There's only one place I would have guessed first, other than the Pacific Northwest. What's that? Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no, Czech Republic, that, that, that clocks. Yeah, and um, this actually reminds me of an article I read years ago about um, Seattle having so much cat like coffee in the water supply and the machinery <laughs> that, like, that the fish were jacked on caffeine. But Oh, my God. But these fish call it, like, these trout call those fish pussies. Like, um, they're like, grow up. Grow up, kid. Do real drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so the researchers, they, they made a tank full of water have as much methamphetamine in it as the, um, the, the streams in that area. And then they um, put fish in there for like a week and then took them out and gave them the opportunity to go to fresh water with food in it and contaminated with methamphetamine water and they would swim towards the methamphetamine water <laughs> dude if if anyone's familiar with uh, some of the weird side effects of meth i'm surprised the fish didn't immediately try to get out of the water <laughs> they're yeah. like no thank you i don't need water they they don't go into too much detail the article mostly talks about the effects of uh drugs 
prescription and non-prescription on the ecosystem. But I thought wow. it was I thought it was pretty cool. And like I said, Seattle's got the same problem. Uh, somewhere else, there was I think it was Portland actually. There was a study done that there was uh, like tons of uh, Prozac in the water because Prozac is notoriously hard to break down. Yeah. So it was it was zonking the fish out. I was actually going to bring up uh, some variation. I've heard some variation of that story before that the uh, concentration of prescription drugs that are in the American bloodstream and especially in concentrated urban areas just because there's such a high density of people that uh, our water supplies are just tainted with like trace amounts of prescription uh, drugs. Yeah. You know, like that your tap water, you know, is like one one millionth part Vicodin, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but... Tell uh, that's the if, wrong person. They're going to drink so much water, they die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you can do anyway. Yeah, no, I actually, when I was in jail once, I was detoxing, and I was drinking water because I was constantly thirsty, and I was constantly pissing, and I was having seizures. Um, Oof. Yeah, but what it was is I was sodium deficient because I hadn't been eating, and alcohol washes out your sodium. <gasps> oh. Yeah, that's, so why that's salty why salty food tastes delicious. When you're drunk. Because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what, salty snacks never tasted better than when you're way too many beers in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is not, this is not like a, a thing I'm proud of, uh, but the other, uh, the other day... I, I, I proceeded to get blackout drunk during the daytime because daddy needed a vacation. <laughs> and and uh, when I came to, I had torn apart a ham steak and just ate it. And I was like, oh, it's because it was the saltiest thing in my house. You know? What's a ham steak? They're like little ovals of steak. Some of them are really big, but these ones were small. I mean, and they're just ham. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, anywhere from a quarter inch to a half inch thick. You usually would just toss them on the frying pan to heat them up, but they're pre-cooked, you know? Okay, so you just, like, had some cold ones? Yeah, I had a package of, of cold ones, and I ate roughly a, a pound of ham steak <laughs> <laughs> in, my, in my glory. And it all makes sense now that that's... Because I had other foods that probably would have been tastier and better and, like, more foot-filling, but... uh I, I was probably seeking the sodium. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, probably the sodium and the fat. And the fat is to help line your stomach so the alcohol will stop burning it. Mm, mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of food and aquatic life, um, boiling lobsters alive to be banned under new government legis- legislation. And this is in London. Um, basically, they're having like a little revolution over there. They have been for the last like 10 years about declaring animals having sentience, which seems to be, in their definition, the ability to have pain and suffering. And the difference between pain and suffering is, pain is like, ouch. And suffering is like, my leg is broken, and I know it's going to continue to hurt, which makes the hurting worse. Right, right, right. Would would you also throw suffering in as in, I'm... I'm keenly aware of the fact that my living habitat is far too small for me. And there's a part of my little primitive mind that knows there's no escape. I would, I would, yeah, that would be anguish. (laughs) Okay. Torment. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So basically, there's a law that protects vertebrates from essentially cruel and unusual punishment or death. And little caveats are being added to that bill to protect invertebrates, including lobsters, crabs, and octopus. And um, I, for one, am glad that somebody's taking octopus welfare seriously, which I know is hilarious to say. But, like, they're smart little fuckers. Like, they know what's going on. Well, yeah, they're extremely intelligent. Like, I would have a... uh, There's two reasons I, I won't have a pet octopus before I die. The first one is it's a saltwater tank and I don't want to take care of a saltwater tank. And the second one is that fucker is going to come out of the tank on a regular basis just to look around. Yeah. Yeah. Just to see what's up. Yeah. You're going to find him in like a salty, a salty puddle somewhere like underneath your computer. And he's going to be like uh, inspecting your hard drive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He said, what kind of motherboard we have in here? Yeah. I heard we had a graphics card shortage. But 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 we don't anymore. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay, okay. That's what we call foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. So in the uh, this one is probably like gonna get people killed. Oh, um, Elon Musk Tesla will launch its mind blowing full self driving beta version nine on Saturday. Woo! So fully self driving. Yep. Now they're getting themselves off the hook for liability by saying that you are still responsible for the the operation of the car so that you have to be in the driver's seat, you have to be buckled in, you have to have your hands near the steering wheel and whatnot. You you can't be railing lines of cocaine off the back of a Slayer CD. I mean, you could as long as you're in the driver's seat with your hands near the wheel. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, you'd still get a DUI with, you know. Yeah, yeah. But in the state in the state of Oregon, depending on the quantity of cocaine you had, you might not be in that much trouble. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, so Tesla. So here's the meat and potatoes. The like we already went over. Like they're releasing the self-driving package, um, but people <gasps> had to pay ahead of time for self-drive for the self-driving package before it was completed, and it's like an extra. Pre-sale. Yeah, pre-sale of software in the car that they bought new. Wow, okay. Yeah, it was like $10,000 to get this software. Yeah. And so a month after Saturday, which would be uh, Saturday's tomorrow as of our recording, but it'll be a few days ago for the listener. And um, people who didn't buy the package will be able to pay a monthly subscription to have their car drive itself. Wow! Wow! So even the cars now are going to be a, a subscription service. Yeah. What a model! What a business model! Yeah. Holy shit! I don't like it. I think that's lame because, like, the car. Has yeah, no, all- I don't like it either. I fucking hate it. The car. Please has, continue. The car has all the ability to drive itself, and like, so it's got it's got all the capacity to drive itself. All it needs is a software update. What? It's a fucking brand new car. It should come with all the features. You know, like Chevy. Yeah. Chevy is talking about Chevy and Chrysler, which may be the same parent company, are talking about having like the heated seats installed in all the cars, but 
only activated. Yeah. You got to pay the luxury, the luxury subscription. Yep. And then when the car goes back to a Chrysler dealer, whoever, they turn all that shit off. You know, the heated seats and whatever the hell else they put on this list, like AC, who knows. And um, then you, as the, the, the next buyer, you have to pay for that premium luxury to get turned back on. Oh, of course. Yeah. It, just because, uh, like, dude, this is reminding me of video games a lot. I'm just going to make a couple quick comparisons. Okay. The, the new Tesla is already going to have the capability of driving itself. And it reminds me of like way back when DLC first became a thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of the games that would have DLC would have the DLC already programmed onto the disc. You bought a piece. Uh, you bought a physical item that already had that shit there. Yeah. And then later, some of those games would then you'd pay a fee, and then it would just unlock it for you. Yeah, I'm trying to think of specific games because once you brought it up, I remembered hearing about it, and it was a big deal, like on the Xbox and Xbox 360. That's specifically what I'm thinking of is the Xbox 360, and I I, I also can't name any particular games, and so I do have to give the caveat that I might be like just spilling internet rumors I heard a long time ago, but I remember reading people like I looked at the source code. Like the fucking secret Mario suit is already here. They're just gonna make you pay two ninety nine to unlock something that you already bought something that had it. Yeah. Yeah. You know who else does that? Microsoft. Yeah. When you buy when you have Windows like the ins- installation for Windows ten has all of the versions of Windows ten on it. And then you pick the one you want to install and you have to have the key to activate it. Correct. But, but Windows 10 Home <laughs> and Windows 10 Pro are identical, except there's software restrictions built into Windows 10 Home that don't let you activate certain services. Interesting. And okay, so there's another parallel. And now I'm going to go with like the car. Like I, I owned, I owned the new Tesla. I paid all the services. I maybe even maybe you can even buy software that you permanently install, right? Hmm. But now when I turn it back into the dealer, they take my account off of the Xbox. Yeah. And now it's just a Husk Xbox again. It's just a Husk Tesla again. And the next person has to have their own account where that will then control what features are and are not activated. That It's just wild because uh, a lot of this stuff, a lot of these subscription models started with entertainment, like movies and video games. And it's kind of funny how now it's like extending into the professional and like normal world. Do you think, cause I was going to say that the gamers didn't have the patience for this bullshit, but really all that made happen was development studios would withhold the code for the DLC even if they made the DLC at the same time they made the game, and then you'd use your internet to download it. So it created the yeah. illusion that they stopped doing that. But yeah, yeah. Do you think that this subscription and cars thing, like, do you think that the consumer will just not want anything to do with that shit, and that, they'll, that this will be a phase? Or do you think this is, like, a new norm? Um, That's really hard to say. What I, what I will say with, like, the new Teslas, Teslas are sort of these luxury items that are big indicators of like status, not just financial status, but like intellectual status, man, dude, I'm into the Tesla because of this shit. And like, I get to talk about it. And like, 
I have a feeling that those people will sort of get suckered into doing it. So I would almost, I would almost bet that the Tesla model of, of this will continue. And I think it's the only luxury brand right now that has enough kind of weird hype behind it that uh, of being sort of a disruptive brand mm-hmm. that they might, they might be able to get away with it with their current uh, consumer base. Uh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, I don't know why. That's more of like an instinctual, like just sort of what Tesla culturally is. Yeah. Um, but I think there will be a lot of pushback. So I'm not saying their entire consumer base is going to be like, yeah, this is interesting. But I think some of them will think it's cool that they maybe can customize their experience. Because mm-hmm. if Tesla's smart, how they're going to sell it is that like by paying these little, you could pay these little bit extras to customize your Tesla experience for what you want. So instead of having to pay the giant, like here's how I would market it. Like, oh, well you can pay this ridiculous price and this ridiculous monthly fee to have every bell and whistle that this thing ever had. And then like the richest will be like, yes, I want all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. But then like the, the way you sell it, the way you sell it to the more reasonable person from that point is go, or you can you can customize your package for the perfect Tesla for you. See, that's good. You should be in marketing. <laughs> that's how I would do it if I were them. I, I it wouldn't. It, you know, you got to. It's how you frame it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not this thing that we're charging you extra for. You're actually saving money because we're not forcing you to take everything. You know who must have been killer at marketing. Who's that? This dude in England who is trying to recover $3.81 million in Bitcoin that he accidentally threw out on a hard drive. <laughs> and he got a multi-billion dollar hedge fund to back him digging up a landfill. Digging up the landfill to find this hard drive. Yeah, it's got conveyor belts. With, he's got conveyor belts with x-ray machines that are AI driven to look for a hard drive. And he's just going to run trash through it having people like shovel it up shovel by shovel but the it's not a county in england it's something else but like they won't allow him to do this um he offered them like tens of millions of dollars and they're just like no not interested you can't dig up our landfill oh my god oh my god dude on a micro scale this I have to tell you a story now. Okay. I, I am trying to also recover um, some lost cryptocurrency assets. Um, I don't know. When it became sort of a buzz thing a couple of years ago, I got in. I invested about $150 in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And and then I like joined various wallets to see if I could trade on them to like try and get into the trading game of like trading Bitcoin for some other currency that's going to rise and then retrading back to make up a profit, you know? And what's crazy is I put that $150 in and I did make a couple smart moves and it turned into about 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty excited. And then I kind of started just making dumb moves and just like buying all sorts of weird shit. Oh, One yeah. of the things, you know, I was just like, Oh, I have $500 in, in like gambling money, essentially. Um, and so I just bought all sorts of weird shit. 
one of the things I did invest in at the time when it cost like roughly 0. 0.0007 cents as mm -hmm. I bought a handful of Dogecoin. Mm. And so this happened on a website. I'm going to just call them who they are. Um, I'm, I'm a little upset with them right now. It's not their fault. It's my fault, but whatever. Uh, Gate.io, okay? Okay. All of my trading happened on this, this website called Gate.io, and I enabled two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. um, I got busy with school and, like, working two jobs and shit like that, and I just didn't check my wallet for a long time. And, in fact, in the meantime, I had gotten a new phone. Oh, shit. When I went to go do the two-factor authentication my Google authenticator just didn't even recognize that I had a connection to this site. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't there. And there was no way for me to reestablish it. Did you do identity verification before, like on the account before you set up? Cause I had a Coinbase fuck up and I just sent them a picture of my license. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm, I, so what's funny is when I bought the handful of Dogecoin, it was very, very cheap. And yeah. now it's still and now it's still cheap, but my estimation is it might be like eight thousand percent more than what it was. <laughs> so you might be sitting on some money. I might be. I, I don't know how much money I put into it, but eight thousand times whatever it is is probably pretty nice, you know. Well, I spent. I don't know what Dogecoin is at, but a few months ago, because I had Dogecoin from way back in the day, I was like, "What the fuck's this Doge thing?" And I bought like four hundred of them or something. I bought it as a laugh. Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah, and um, I sold it for like a hundred bucks. Very nice. Yeah, Very but nice. it was like it was like pennies worth of Dogecoin when I bought it. You know. Yeah, dude. I think I paid a. I think I bought a dollar fifties worth of Dogecoin at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how whatever much it was when it was like point zero zero seven cents. Uh, it was probably less than that. If it was a few years ago, Doge wasn't worth shit for a long time. I, I mean, I and that's why I was like, dude, I'll buy a dollar fifty of it and I'll have like a shit ton of it. You know? Uh so anyway, I'm trying to get back in and get my 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 uh my Dogecoin. That's yeah. really what's up. And they sent they sent me an email and they're like, prove who you are. Uh some of the questions I don't know the answer to. They're like, What's your username? I'm like, fuck if I know. <laughs> ah, I man. don't I, I know the password I know I know what my uh, email I used I know you know everything about me anyway yeah we'll talk that out after the show there's probably a way around that yeah so yeah I'm looking through a landfill for my fucking my little hard drive full of cryptocurrency yeah but you've got a way better chance of finding it than he does and yeah and now it's finally worth fighting for and we were talking uh before the show, we were talking about uh, data destruction and, like, how easy slash hard is it. And, like, something that spent, <clears throat> I don't know how long, in a landfill, like, that went into a truck that crushed it together with, like, last week's spaghetti. And uh -huh. then got made into a cube, and the cube got dumped somewhere, and then it got picked up with some giant claws and stacked somewhere. And then the rain washed through it for however many months or years it's been sitting there. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> like he's it's, not getting it back. It's it's a total fucking pipe dream. Yeah, but he's got some multi-billion dollar hedge fund behind him. So, you know, I, I guess want, good I, luck. 
I want to see it play out like a Willy Wonka movie so I can watch the documentary in like two years. <laughs> I mean, like fun. he's, yeah, he's just got like, got like conveyor belt slides and like giant cranes just like spiraling out of the middle of this landfill. <laughs> and he's looking for his golden ticket, you know? I remind that that visual reminded me of the game Satisfactory. What's that? Satisfactory is where you land on an alien planet and you build a giant factory to uh, exploit <laughs> the natural resources and launch them into space. <laughs> and it's called Satisfactory. Yeah. That's I've only badass. seen videos of it, but it's it's really fun looking. It's a badass dad joke. So speaking of cryptocurrency and not getting it back, China is kind of really over cryptocurrency. Um, they've been cracking down on it a lot. Um, they shut down like half of the Bitcoin mining in the world was in China and like 99% of that has gone dark. <laughs> oh man. Oh shit. Yeah. And it's kind of complicated because nobody is exactly sure why the, the Chinese government is doing what it's doing. Okay. But I had this theory, and I think they kind of touched on it in the article. Um, they are trying not to, because like, so money is a weird thing. Um, there's there's money, and then there's wealth, and like money has the ability to buy so much wealth worth of stuff, but the value of that money goes up and down, whereas in the value of the stuff really stays the same. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, cryptocurrencies are like, uh, what's the word? A compatibility layer between currencies, which allow that that wealth to move out of the currency and into another one. Oh, interesting. So I think that's a big part of it. And then the article had a really good point too, which was that um, the uh, the Chinese government loves to watch everything. And they would prefer you use an app on your phone to buy things than a cryptocurrency because then they can track what you're buying, where you're going, shit like that. Interesting. So this this crackdown has led to, um, like, God knows how many graphics cards that the Chinese market was hoarding up um, being sold for, like, hundreds of dollars when, like, Two months ago, they were going for thousands. So wait a minute. This is what you, we were foreshadowing has finally come to fruition. Yeah. Um, so we don't have a graphics card shortage anymore because China's cracking down on this behavior. Yeah. And for new GPUs, there's still a bunch of people who wisely don't want to buy a used GPU from China. Yeah. Um, and there's a few reasons we can get into why not doing that, why not to do that. But, um, yeah, over the next few months, um, probably dipping down in price a little bit, then the holiday season will bring it back up a little bit, but we should be looking at MSRP prices pretty soon in the grand scheme of things. Wow, man, that's... Can 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 you roll me back a little bit while, when you were talking about some of the reasons why China might be doing this? Um, yeah, so it's it's to probably surveillance is a big part of it. 
and probably trying to um, preserve the value of their currency because like you can I think they use one like you could spend like millions of one on Bitcoin but if there's a guy in England taking out pounds well he's they're just transferring that wealth from one currency to another it's devaluing like it, it can devalue the valid like the the wealth of the money yeah yeah absolutely dude th this brings up an interesting point because that's actually that's maybe one of the most interesting things about bitcoin to ever consider is the process by which it is altering the landscape of currency yeah and uh here's one of the weird paradoxes about cryptocurrency i when it first became like this big buzzword and i, I kind of got like a little into it or whatever very little into it i'm amateur at best and what what happened was i was always saying like oh this is the future of currency this is like the thing it's going to be and that might be true but as it stands right now the only value it has to traders is that it can be traded okay obviously there are some people that will take bitcoin for goods and services mm -hmm. but as far as i can tell that's a relatively relatively limited market yeah yeah um so the only real value the cryptocurrency has then to the trader is that it can be traded for regular currency yeah if it could if it couldn't be traded for regular currency no one would give a fuck yeah it would go back to being like the currency of money launderers and drug dealers and hitmen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean like i've always seen i like i saw cryptocurrency a long time ago like before i made the news and all that it was in the hacker circles it's like hey look it's the future and um like i always thought that like you don't use you don't use bitcoin to buy groceries you use bitcoin to buy like a shipping container full of whatever goods you ordered you know like uh -huh. it's it's not meant for small transactions or maybe it was meant for it and it was just poorly designed for it but like right and then i've always had this <clears throat> this this like belief that bitcoin is kind of designed to fail um not in the sense that the people who made it didn't want it to survive but sure. the, it's a proof of concept for a cryptocurrency and on paper it has specific weaknesses that are going to kill it eventually and there are other cryptocurrencies that saw these weaknesses and built currencies that are resistant to those problems uh-huh so like bitcoin as a specific brand of cryptocurrency is sort of destined to fail i think so because it was always sort of a prototype as it were to just to just show that what it could be yeah and well and it's like it's it was a a demonstration of the two double spender uh solution you know which is to just use consensus to drive uh transactions as opposed to having uh independent or centralized databases that would have to update off of each other yeah i still don't understand how blockchain works at all dude don't okay. don't know don't know don't get it <laughs> you have five servers right five miners 
and you submit a transaction, you want to move uh, coins from wallet A to wallet B, and you tell the network, hey, I'm making a transaction, and I'll pay this many of my cryptocurrency to have the transaction processed. Uh-huh. And, and then three of those five servers pick up and complete that transaction before the other two. Are they the block? They're, they're, they're writing the blockchain by completing that transaction. And then they submit that, that change to the blockchain and it gets verified, you know, like, uh, but so, so the blockchain is essentially the record. Yeah. Okay. Um, where is the blockchain? The blockchain is maintained by all miners. And so, so they everybody all have has everybody has a copy of the blockchain and then whenever a record is ready and con- confirmed by the majority of the network, the record is added to the blockchain. Interesting. And then everyone eventually gets updated to it. Yeah. That's why it takes between 10 and two, 10 minutes and two hours to submit a, a transaction on Bitcoin. So, it, yeah, it's inherently sort of slow working. Yeah. And there's really complicated ways to do the same thing more efficiently, like Ethereum does. But Bitcoin doesn't. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I mean, look, it, it, it was the prototype, the, the main one that brought it to the forefront. So, yeah, you know. It's it, and honestly, as someone who who might say, "Well, why don't they just improve it?" Um, well, obviously, you've never built a digital system because, <laughs> like, sometimes you're just in too deep, and you're like, "We either have to, we can't improve this one anymore; it well, just breaks it." Yeah, you have to get fifty one percent of the miners in the world to agree to make the software change. <laughs> yeah, good top, fucking luck. That's a whole nother thing too, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because I didn't even consider that part of it. You can even have incentives ju- like, you know, higher mining rates for a little while or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's all gamified. Yeah. Well, you know, it's made I okay, so like I can tell I I'm gonna like tell you some shit that most people don't know. The the Matsumoshi or whatever the fuck the name that that's a pen name. It was a yeah. hacker group based out of London that made Bitcoin, and they used to meet on hackers.co.uk. Okay, like just straight up on hackers.co.uk. Yep, that's where and like it's this, like it's this like is, a bar. This is, this is where I sound like I'm full of shit. I used to go to hackers.co.uk, and that's how I knew this shit was happening interesting like dude like the the picture it's painting is like it's the matrix and like you go down to hackers bar in london and that's where all the fucking cool kids hang out but like it was bro, an an, it was an anarcho ha- uh activist community that had a strong presence on somebody else's website right right so hackers.co.uk was just like some sort of a message board essentially run by someone else yeah yeah, and they essentially just like that's where they did their operations. Yeah. It's just so weird and on the nose, but I, at this point like none of it's that uh that weird. Yeah, I I tell people this sometimes and I get two reactions. One is they think that I'm full of shit and the other one is that I probably shouldn't tell people. <laughs> but I I don't know. The fact that I could just be full of shit is I think plenty of plausible deniability. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, like, look, it sounds it sounds like a story written by like a well versed eight year old. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a very witty and intelligent eight year old wrote this narrative where he's like, you know, where Bitcoin started. Yeah, and and but this is where I I get off saying things like, yeah, it's it's bound to fail. It's like that's what they said. You know, that's what the people who made it said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was it was a fuck you to the banking system, like. You know, yeah. Hey, we need digital money, but we don't fucking need you to have it. Well, correct. Um, it, it is, but now that what you're explaining to me, how the blockchain, like every miner has the blockchain on it, like how insanely long is the blockchain at this point? Uh, that is, this this is going to be our full competency for the episode. Yeah. How. <laughs> Big is the Bitcoin blockchain. Because you're telling me it's the record of every transaction. Yeah, it's 341.71 gigabytes. Dude, that's not that big. <laughs> Considering what it is, yeah. And I don't yeah. think I don't think you need the entire thing. To that's begin only a couple mining. call of duties. Yeah. It's just a couple Call of Duties. And if you have like, if you have a, a mining farm going and you have like, they make motherboards that can support like nine, 10 GPUs and you have one terabyte hard drive hooked on that motherboard and you know, your nine or 10 GPUs running off of it. <clears throat> that's not that one terabyte, that hundred dollars for that hard drive is not a lot to compare to the cost of the motherboard and all the GPUs. Yeah, that's wild, man. But it, it just eats power. So uh, so that's another thing is because I'm like, why are these things crunching up so much power? Because when people are talking about these NFTs and how the blockchain is just not power efficient, mm -hmm. I always wondered why. And it's, well, it's because like every single machine on the thing is like in a weird consensus with each other. And there's all this constant communication between them. Another component in mining is also the fact that processing all these transactions because of the way it, there's an unpredictable, there's a somewhat predictable uh, random number that will come out, right? And yeah. that random number is all zeros in most cases, right? So it's all zeros up to a certain place. And every time you get further along in that transaction uh, history, you get, you know, the next rewardable block where you processed all these transactions, you got a hash value, and the hash value is this many zeros. And it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. It's Mo very interesting. Modeled half after, after BitTorrent. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, it's Peer-to-peer peer is, the, is the basis of all this. Yeah. Because at BitTorrent yeah. Swarm, only one person has to have the answer. You know, only yeah, one yeah. person has to have the whole file. And actually, that one person can dip out as soon as the whole file is in the swarm. Yeah. So when you see something that has cedars and leechers, if there's literally no cedars, that means no one has the file, right? Yeah, but it's still possible to get the whole file out of that swarm. Even though there's zero cedars? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, you're, you just have, you just your have odds to sit are there. really low. It probably won't happen because of the culture of BitTorrent, but yeah, it's technically possible. Got it. I, I'm the worst torrenter. I'm like, I'll seed it for ten minutes and then be like, see you later. Yeah, and most ISPs block your ability to seed anyway. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it'll say you're doing it, but you're not really doing it. Yeah, and like you can get around that by like running a VPN. But then again, most VPNs also block it. So you can set up a custom VPN on a cloud service, but then your cloud service is going to freak the fuck out that you're doing illegal shit through their network. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten a couple uh, cease and persist letters from, from my Cease and provider. persist? <laughs> yeah. Knock it off, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. I think I know I said the wrong words there, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Damn. And that is the impression I get. They're like, knock it off. Or like, don't let us catch you doing this. Yeah. It was always for like super popular shit that I shouldn't have been downloading at the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when Deadpool's the number one movie in America, you probably shouldn't be trying to download it illegally. No. Yeah. You should wait till it's on DVD or Blue <laughs> or whatever the fuck <laughs> they use. Oh, man. Uh, so this Chinese crackdown on this magical cryptocurrency shit, um, it it the majority of the graphics cards that were like being produced over the last couple of years were going into these farming uh operations and now they're being uh sold off if you buy them in a lot you can get them for around 300 dollars a piece for a 3060 3060 is a really good card okay. um but you probably shouldn't buy them and here's a few reasons why the first is they've been just beat the fuck down, running yeah, all work, the time. Work to death. Yeah, like you're probably going to need to replace the fans in these things because the bearings are going to be shot. The next one is that kind of heat, you know, it it probably damaged something. There's this concept called burn-in. So you can make an argument that, well, if they didn't fail from heat in the first few hundred hours they were being used for mining, then they probably won't fail from heat for a very long time. Okay. So that's kind of, you can, you can explain that one away. But the third one, and the really big deal, is that they probably have their firmware fucked with. Like, the software that runs the card itself has probably been uh, altered to make it run more effectively. Uh, uh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am so sorry, dear listener. Yeah, I almost puked, actually. <laughs> like, you ever have one of those burps that, like, it wants to come up, but there's, like, a weird layer of liquid above it? Uh-huh. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't verp. I didn't vomit burp. Mm-hmm. You just kind of worked it around? I, it was real musky and swampy, you know? <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, uh... Listen, don't buy the fucking Chinese graphic cards unless uh, you got money to burn. Yeah, unless you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Like they, they're, kind of, they're musky and swampy. They're musky and swampy, and they, you know, unless you're going to buy, like, a, a fucking pallet of the damn things, like... Oh, then not... you, you might find some gems in there, right? Yeah, well, what you do is you figure out whatever fucking weird shit they did to them and you undo it. So, like, if you can get a pallet of 3060s, 3080s, 3090s, whatever, and you want them all to be the same, and then you find the factory firmware, 
and just reflash all of them and then go through and like find all the broken fans and replace them and you could make a shit ton of money if you get like a pallet imported yeah they yeah then you sell them all for 600 mm -hmm. yeah well what was msrp on this to begin with like roughly uh msrp on a 3060 <sighs> gonna make me do this again man i gotta open up google oh no you don't have to like can we I have can to we... know okay okay because i actually don't even know what those words mean uh in it's rtx 3060 is a model well yeah I, I i gather that much but i don't really know what the significance of that model would be okay a 3060 which the article said was going for 270 is an msrp of 329 but they've been being they've been selling for around a grand because of the shortage mm -hmm. so there might be a small window of opportunity yeah in which someone could invest in bank somebody could make a serious shit ton of money but they'd yeah. have to act like now they could walk around with two fat stacks of cash in their two back pockets and like twerk at people <laughs> and like and like money could just fall out and then they could just wink over their shoulder at them yeah yeah i would that's what i would do i mean yeah if you can shoot money on your ass <laughs> that's what i'm saying you know i'd have to work on my twerking skills but uh i think it's worth the investment <laughs>
a honeypot is specifically online. It's like um, Silk Road when it got taken down, it was down for like a day and it popped back up. And Correct. then people started buying drugs and illegal services. And then suddenly the FBI was at their door because it went from being a real service, really legal service, to a honeypot run by the FBI. You think that's enough mm-hmm. explanation? Yeah, yeah. They're basically like, okay, no, everything's fine. Keep doing that. And yeah. we're just going to start arresting you now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then so- it, it, it's, it's a way to lure in criminals for persecution. persecution you mean prosecution right anywho both of them (laughs) (laughs) quite frankly both of them anom and arcane os anom was a messaging service like signal and then arcane os was a modified version of android and so they i was not i was not able to find how they were distributing these phones to criminals but they totally were for like years they were listening in on their chat service that they set up that was supposed to be encrypted peer-to-peer but it wasn't it was going to a central server run by the fbi (laughs) wow okay yeah and so uh, it was a honeypot so it was definitely a honeypot and then recently they popped their honeypot and fucking got 800 people mostly drug cartel people and um then it word got out that these phones were, um, you know, honeypots that like the government was listening to everything you said on them. And so they like criminals, you know, uh. being entrepreneurs and all decided to sell these phones <laughs> like on Craigslist and shit. And uh-huh. so they sold them as basic, you know, basic Android phones or whatever. And people got them and some of them slowly figured out what the hell they had. And a few of them found their way back to Motherboard, which is a subsidiary of Vice News. Okay, wait a minute. So Motherboard is just like, a, it's another it's another Vice-style journalistic entity? Yeah, it's they're attached to each other. Okay, for sure. Yeah, and, um, you know, then there's this article on Motherboard about, like, kind of all the details that are known about this. One of the things the article talks about is that there was an online effort to reverse engineer what was in them to better understand them and maybe restore their usefulness, but mostly just to solve the mystery of the Anom phone. Like what, what was going on with Arcane OS? How did this whole thing work? And that operation was squashed. Like the whole site it was running on was brought down. All of the people who were working on it got told to fuck off. Like, it, it's done. The, um, the, the, men, the men in black coat showed up and we we're like, this shit's over. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, they're they're pretty fucking useless unless you're trying to sell coke to your friend through the FBI <laughs> servers, you know, like. <laughs> well, I mean, couldn't just a normal person just have one and just use it? Yeah. Well, they have they have a lot of features that you'd have to know were there in order to operate the phone. Because some of the apps are dummy apps and will just do funny things because that's part of the um, the theater of security that was. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The the theater of security. Yeah, 
like so we're trying to make an app to fool criminals into thinking that this is like some super top secret shit so like when you press the normal phone app it just like always goes to someone's voicemail and it says the messages are full yeah and you and you got to use the right phone app yeah. To make it work. And your contacts. Uh, so basically the, the gist of how this phone worked is you would have the phone in regular mode and like most of the apps wouldn't work, but it would work as a phone. And then you'd restart the phone and hold buttons down, which all Androids support as part of their default function. And it yeah, yeah. brings up another menu. And then you load the operating system that you, the Arcane OS instead of Android, and it brings you into where you push on a calculator button and then you enter your your pin in the form of an equation and it opens up the messaging service. Wow. And then there's features like, and I I bet you there was backdoors all over this shit. Like allegedly there was like a button that would allegedly shred all of the data on the phone. Um, Allegedly. Allegedly, but it probably just partitioned it away somewhere. Dude, it probably just brought up a graphic that was like, your data is being shredded. And it's like, it put it in a folder called archived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like in a folder somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. The government, um, the first one to turn up was in Australia. And the person who got it was freaked out once they figured out what it was and called the police. And the police didn't even respond. So... Nobody seems to give a shit that these things are just floating around as long as there isn't a global peer-led effort to decipher every little aspect of how they worked. Because somewhere in there, if you get enough clever people working on it, is some sort of information that the FBI and Interpol doesn't want us to have. Just doesn't want us to know how that shit worked. Yeah. There's there's an encrypted something somewhere with a with a key that they're like uh we know they probably can't hash that but they could though they might yeah <laughs> you let's know? not give them a chance <laughs> yeah you never know they might hash it what if they got a quantum computer yeah what if they <laughs> rent one from d-wave yeah they rent oh, they rent a quantum computer from d-wave and in exactly one hour they have access to the fbi database of all the communications that happen through these phones yeah yeah I thought Goodness. This, yeah, I thought this was an interesting article just because a lot of people outside the tech world didn't know that this had happened. And uh, it's funny because, like, my friends and I use Signal, which is supposed to be peer-to-peer encrypted, yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't believe it. Like, I it, don't believe it either. Yeah, and, like, it's probably another honeypot. And, yeah. like, the government is just in our technology. That's just the way it is. I, I doubt that they're not. And and again, when it comes to like big shows of like how like um remember when the government was trying to get into the iPhones? Yeah. Um to me that's just like that's that theater of security we're talking about. They're like, "Look, we can't get into your commercial electronics." Mm. And it was you just know? like, "Yeah, no, fucking your local sheriff's department can't break into an iPhone." But like yeah, the national government certainly knows how. And there's there's yeah. companies, there's there's hacking companies that provide tools. You know, it's like if you have this model iPhone on this model of security or on this model of software update, 
we know that if you send it these weird signals through the USB thing, well, you hold down this spot on the screen, it unlocks it, right? And that's not right. an intentional backdoor. That's just something they figured out. And so yeah, some, some weird overlap. They'll sell law enforcement uh, a little box that does just that. And you select which version, like which model of, of iPhone you're plugging into it. And then it, it runs all of the exploits on it that it knows. And if one of them isn't patched, which most people don't update their shit, then they get into the phone. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. The uh, the old illusion of security. Like I said, I've had people tell me that they were like sitting around watching the people decide how the internet was going to function. <laughs> you know, like a teacher. A teacher I had said he he was more or less an intern on that project, and he got to sit in on the meetings. And it would scare everyone the extent to which privacy sort of disappears. Uh, the second we get the internet involved. Yeah. I mean, everything is, you know, everything's kept on in plain text somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it might be coded, but if you know what the code means, you know, yeah, you're good to go. And, and like you, your, your IP address, like it's not necessarily tied to a physical address, but like where I am, I always get the right weather information because it knows that I'm in the city area that I'm in. And it like, like that's where those IP addresses, like they change. I get new IP addresses every 48 hours to 200 days, depending on which network connection and shit like that. But like, yeah, they're being assigned. They're, they're, they're geographically distributed. Like, yeah, well, because like the internet is a physical thing. Yeah. And they, well, when they decided the public IP scheme, they're like, and this range will go to Belgium and this range will go to New York and this range will go to whatever. And then like you get assigned an, an IP address out of the range assigned to your region. Yeah. And you're, and you're literally sitting in a chain. Cause like, as that signal moves across the wires, it's getting processed at all sorts of different stations, right? Yeah. And like, if you follow that chain, you can geographically find wh whatever that IP address said it was. Yeah. I mean, anyone with the, with the means or the know-how can do that. Yeah. Yeah. You can, I mean, there's, there's tools I have on my computer that I use because I have a server and sometimes I have to probe my server to figure out what the fuck's going on. And um, by the amount of information I can pull out about each packet and how, like, every stop it makes on the trip to my server and back again, it's a lot, you know? Like, I, I learn about how ISPs are structured just to figure out what the hell I'm looking at. And it's like, some people would be like, oh, you can't look at that. And it's like, no, that's public knowledge that's that's like the same it's as walking out knowledge. walking out your front door and looking around your neighborhood and being like look at there's these houses you know like the difference is is like you can't just walk into your neighbor's house yeah yeah and like the internet's not exactly like letting them walk into our house but it's real close mm -hmm. you know just because of the sheer amount of stuff that gets that gets thrown around Ah, uh, did you read the uh, the JavaScript JavaScript API to access users' local files? 
Uh, no. Yeah, JavaScript is used for a lot of things in web development. But yeah, front-end front end web development. It runs on your computer, not theirs. Yeah, my, historically, for security reasons, it hasn't been able to access local data. Um, ah. And it's mostly used, like, there's a couple exceptions to that, it, uh, one of which is cookies. Um, but it's mostly used for tracking users now. Um, there's much better solutions for everything that JavaScript does, but it's supported mostly because it's part of advertising mechanisms. Ah, okay. Yeah, there are some JavaScript applications that run in web browsers that are kind of retro and really neat, but for the most part, people don't use those. And, yeah, um, I mean, and another, just as just like a real simple, like, concept another reason it's used is it saves on their servers doing things it, the javascript there's like server code that when you make a web request that server code runs on their server and the javascript is sent over and it runs on your machine so it saves that much effort on the machine that's sitting in the server farm okay there there's that reason but can I, I? But continue because I didn't realize that it was one of the main reasons we get these uh, ads. Oh yeah, like if you if you gut, there's periodically there's ad blocking services that always get cut from like the plugin stores for various browsers. They uh -huh. they create a database, a centralized database of all of the JavaScript uh, bullshit that's used to track people, and then it just doesn't render it in the website. And the yeah, CPU absolutely, yeah. and RAM usage just drops to the floor. Like, you know, I, as an anecdote, I have 32 gigabytes of RAM in my machine. And yeah, you bastard. I, I don't run out of RAM. I run out of CPU when I have a bunch of tabs open because there's all this JavaScript running in the background that's constantly querying my machine and trying to, like, figure out who I am and send information back. Oh my and, god! And the people who make these scripts don't give a shit about the fact that it's going to make the website run like dog shit. Like they're like, yeah, when the one website's open with our script, it's fine. But it's like, yeah, when twelve tabs are open and they're all running the same JavaScript, then things uh, drop to a crawl. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Um, it, it used to be that you could disable JavaScript, but then that will also often disable like necessary functions for the website. Yeah, it breaks tons of shit. Yeah, because like, like it's not just for ads; it does affect other things. And like I said, that apps aren't really used anymore that are written in JavaScript, which is true. But it's also really convenient for web designers to do like short things, like um, if you see like a. Uh, like a comment box on a lot of not like Facebook but other websites maybe Facebook like yeah. and you enter a comment and then you like the text box to enter a comment in and the button to submit it those are both usually JavaScript yeah yeah absolutely um, JavaScript in it's like more like not nefarious use is used for simple shit like that like Say there's a Dropbox, and then when you choose the Dropbox, it's going to change something on the page. Often, that's handled with JavaScript. So, because what it does is it avoids something called a postback. So, uh, often when you hit a button and you are making contact with the server, you're making another HTTP request. Mm -hmm. 
and that triggers something called a postback because what happens is the server receives that request embedded with uh, query information from the controls on the page mm -hmm. and then it processes that information and feeds back the, what the page should be okay and so that's called a postback um and JavaScript avoids those issues because the code runs on your machine. And again, that that's the big distinction I'm trying to make is it's JavaScript is used typically for front end development, which means when I send you back the page from the server, I've embedded the script into it and your machine reads that and runs it. So it's responsible for all those behaviors, which is why when you're talking about how it's always constantly like going through your files it's because it's because it's running on your machine man it's like you know what i mean so this this new update is gonna make it so that it can uh save files read and write files read and write directories now it's gonna and part of the the uh implementation is that's going to pop up a little dialogue box asking you if it's okay to do this shit. Uh -huh. Yeah, but how many like how many people out there don't read and just hit a button? Sometimes I do it and I'm like, "Oh my god, what the fuck did I just do?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I, I I'm not ready for a box. I'm like in the middle of a task that I'm trying to accomplish, you know. You're like, "Yeah, yeah, get out of my way." And then you're like, "Wait, what did I just approve or disapprove?" Yeah, did I see the words delete your whole computer in that message just now? Yeah. And then I just sit there, like, sweating. And, you know, it can be, like, really uh, vague or innocuous-sounding language. Like, you know, uh, scan your computer for potential threats, you know, and fucking get better targeted advertising i don't know like what they would say but like somebody clever is going to come up with some way to make it sound like oh yeah we're going to scan all your shit to figure out what you're interested in so we can try to sell you shit but i want to find a way to say that where it doesn't sound like a total invasion of privacy yeah yeah um dude there's a word i've been like digging up from my consciousness that i knew was in there mm -hmm. and i've i've been it ties into this huckster <laughs> this uh this fucking you know what a huckster is yeah it's like somebody who's got like a a pitch but it's it's always uh like kind of a ripoff and disingenuous yeah yeah he's selling you something you know mm -hmm. often it's a little trinket and he, so there's snake oil salesmen who literally say this thing's gonna cure everything and the huckster is just like a little bit slicker than that because he'll he'll he said, no, it's just, it ain't going to cure nothing. It's just going to help you out. It's cheap, too. It, it, hell, it's free. Oh, like a fidget spinner. Yeah. You know, hey. And then, but he'll talk you into its wonders, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to monsters. Yeah. There's so these are, we live in the age of the, where the internet itself is a fucking huckster. Yeah. <laughs> fucking google google's going downhill everyone's gonna hate them in 10 years yeah you were saying something about living in an age uh, oh living in an age i'm not sure exactly what i was there i'm not sure exactly where i was going with that because i got short-term memory issues but it made me think of there's these they're essentially bong vacuums right like <laughs> they they have a, a, a tank of water and then it pulls 
air through the water and um, then you vacuum with the like you, it's a vacuum it's got a tube it's got a tank of water it pulls the air <laughs> through the tank of water and then expels uh-huh. the air and yeah that, into your face into your face yeah pretty much um, but it gives you filthy water filled with all the debris and then it humidifies the air which here in the Pacific Northwest, humidifying the air is the opposite of what the fuck we want to happen, right? Like, I guess maybe if you're in Arizona, this vacuum might be killer, except cleaning it out is a massive disaster. Um, but- so wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. It's literally a vacuum cleaner. So l- listen, you have to understand I was on a different path. I thought you were talking about an actual bong that you smoked. Like an electronic had- bong with a pump? <laughs> Yeah, like a vacuum pump that that sucked in one end and then like blew it in your face in the other one, okay? But you're saying this is a literal it's essentially like a carpet cleaner? No, it's not a carpet cleaner because it doesn't put the moisture in the carpet. It, it uses, just uses the water a, as a filter to collect the dirt. Yeah, like just like a bong does. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's going to smell bad. It's going to smell bad. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be gross. Like it uh, the the benefits are outweighed by all of the problems, and you can just get a regular vacuum with a HEPA filter. And the uh-huh. the, uh-huh. Ex, the huckster thing made me think of my ex wife got a job trying to sell these things, and part of the job requirement was to let another salesperson come over to the house and try to sell us one. Yeah, and, and I looked at that, and I was like, this is garbage. Like, the guy got really annoyed with me because I was frank. I was like, look, you're here because my wife needs a job, but this is trash. <laughs> Woo! And he pissed off the homeowner. She had a sword on the wall, and he kept saying that it was mine, and I was just like, no. <laughs> what is going on? We got, we got like, wet vacuums. That just make the house stink like trash. They've got swords on the wall. Yeah. It's a hell of a journey. <laughs> yeah, I've had a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know you know what wouldn't have been good, though? What's that? Getting hit by a Class X solar flare. How do you get hit by one of them? Um, you just, you just happen to be on a planet that's in its way. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the yeah. first large flare of this solar cycle, the, a solar cycle is 11 years long, and we've been counting those 11 years for apparently 25 cycles. So that's cool. Um, that's a lot of years. That's a lot of years. That's like that's like nearly 300 years. All right. Um, so class X, there's, there's an X, 1, 2, and 3. As I, my research found, there's no such thing as bigger than a three because it's probably like the fucking sun exploding or something. Uh huh. Okay. Um, but a class a one X, which is what we had happen, is the equivalent of millions of 100 megaton hydrogen bombs. So I tried to do the math to figure out how much that actually is. And in I terms got, of just like sheer force, sheer force, like compared yeah. to a stick of dynamite, and I got yeah, okay. I got numbers that I can't read. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's fucking letters in those answers. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's e's. There's like an e with like a big number after it. Yeah. 
I mean, it's yeah. and that I thought was very uh, fitting because it is a incomprehensible amount of energy. So it might as well be an incomprehensible fucking number. Yeah, yeah, and that was sticks of dynamites. An incompre- incomprehensible amount of sticks of dynamite. Yeah, probably like a planet yeah. worth or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. We're going to say it was a Jupiter worth of dynamite. I was going to give it like a, a, a Venus. That's still a lot of dynamite. It's still a lot. Now, and, is that is that force at, at like the surface of the sun? Or it's not what reached us? It didn't reach us at all. It blew off the side. So like the, there's a picture of it. And it's just like we're we're looking straight at the sun in this picture, and then on the right side, kind of above the equator, just shooting off in a line as a filament of plasma that's like planets wide. <laughs> yeah, a little plazow. Yeah, if this thing hit Earth, it would probably knock the power grid off on whichever side was facing it when that happened. If not the whole planet. If not the whole planet, through like. The fucking just like charged sh- atmosphere, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we would likely lose the atmosphere. Oh no, I I don't know if we'd lose the atmosphere. Is that is that a crazy guess? I um I don't know how much energy would have to come off the sun for that. Testing one two. Testing, testing. You there? Testing one two. Testing. Testing. How about now? Testing one two. All right. You just pop back. Jesus, what the fuck happens? It's like once an episode. And it goes completely blank. Just, yeah. It's I, like, can, I, I can hear you, but you can't hear me. It goes dead silent. I mean, like, whoop, gone. And I'm just like, I, I, I've learned to play along at first. See, what happens is there's little, little bits of it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no more room noise, there's no more anything. Mm-hmm. So I just I play along. Sometimes it happens a little bit longer, and I just keep playing along. And by the time it comes back, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> You know what I want in my life, Canada? What's that? More fucking news. More fucking news? All right. Yeah. I got more fucking news. I uh, knew you would. Uh, a Spokane man? A Spokane... What the fuck was I trying to say? Spokane man who built a working cannon is sentenced to two years in prison. <laughs> okay. That actually is like maybe one of the illest of verses I've heard in a minute. A Spokane man made a working can-an. Since two years in prison. Prison, yeah. Oh, my God. So, actually, the thing about that is the second you said Spokane man, Mm -hmm. I was was ready. If if you're in the know about Spokane, Spokane. Yeah, we went there together once. Then you know. That boy, that boy traded us a computer for a knife. (laughs) <laughs> that, boy, that boy <laughs> that boy came up and smoked nutmeg with me he, he, he rode up on his bike to me I'm sitting in the passenger seat reading the stand okay yeah in a, in a Spokane fucking parking lot at, at like a strip mall we were all there together and this boy rides up on a fucking bicycle I don't know how old he was. I think he was 14. He hands me a bowl. He hands me a bowl. He said, you want to hit? I said, motherfucker, when in Rome, I guess this is how Spokane rocks. You understand? 
So I fucking hit the shit and it tastes real funny. And I said, what is this? He said, we smoke a nutmeg. <laughs> and I, I hit it one more time. That's all I'll say about that. I hit it one more time. But, but Spokane is wild. I, I spent a very small amount of time in Spokane and a 14 year old boy uh, offered me nutmeg to smoke with him. And he, he traded us a, a, a computer, a laptop for a knife. And guess what? A couple weeks later, I was sitting in a library using that laptop and that motherfucker worked. Huh? Who knows where he got that laptop and why he wanted that knife? <laughs> to go deal but with I'll the guy you, he stole a laptop from. <laughs> I guess. And then he came back and he traded the knife back to us. <laughs> and we traded him some other trinket of, of, of power, some sort of powerful trinket. <laughs> I mean, he must have washed the knife. I think it was like a digital saxophone. Jeez. Yeah, well, he mu he must have washed the knife. I, I, would, <laughs> I hope I hope he didn't leave us with no evidence. You know, one time I was I was I was hitchhiking. And I was walking down this road in Northern California. And, you know, you walk down the highway, you just kind of look at all the garbage that's on the side of the highway, and, like broken cell phones that fell out of windows and shit. And there's just yeah. this blood-covered knife on the ground. And I looked at it for a second, and I didn't slow my pace at all. I just looked on and, like, left it there. <laughs> I was just like, yep. I would say uh, you made the right choice. Yep. Holy, holy shit. I mean, wh what are you going to do? You know what would happen if, they, if you would have, like, called the police? Yeah. I think you know what would happen. They would say it was mine. They'd be like, well, where'd you get the bloody knife, son? You're like, I didn't. I never did get it. I'm trying to tell you I found it. Oh, my goodness. So in Spokane, where the teenagers smoke nutmeg and trade fucking computers for knives, <laughs> a 63-year-old man built a working one-and-a-quarter-inch cannon. Cannon. Um, apparently there's a legal limit. You can have a cannon that's up to a half inch wide, but anyone with no limit. <laughs> he said, I don't put no limits on my cannons. Yeah, he didn't just do double. He did double and then some. Yeah. And, um. I'll tell, tell you. He's the sole caretaker of his mother. Oh, who's no. In, who's in poor health. And he is convinced that the, uh, the police chief... Uh, and police in general were out to get him, who his mother disputed was true. Whoa! So the mama was in on it? The, no, the mom was like, he's got a problem. He thinks the police are out to get him, and he builds fucking cannons in my garage. Like, oh, okay. So no, the mom, the mom was like, yes, all of the stuff you think about my son is very true. <laughs> yeah. He is my one source of care, and I need you to get rid of him yeah oh my god yeah well you know what i think he was on some nutmeg i think he was probably doing the nutmeg real hard like like nutmeg seven or six days at a time some like backwards he was doing it so much that he would go backwards a day you know after day seven <laughs> he would come back to day six yeah yeah losing days yeah, lose it. Well, gaining them back, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. A time dilation. Yeah. 
That, well, it's the kind that's the kind that would make you make a cannon, I think. Yeah, <laughs> be like this shit keeps happening. I might wind up in a civil war. I need a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You always got to be ready for the civil war, man. I am not actually saying that. Like, listen, that's, that, that is that is some shit a QAnon motherfucker would say. I am not. I am not one of these banga boys. I don't wear no Hawaiian shirts. I don't boogaloo. I, I regret saying the thing I said. Don't worry, it's it's safe here. I know. I know. We're not gonna cut it out. All right. Uh, remember the fucking venom shooting cobra, zebra cobra. <laughs> Yeah, cover your fucking eyes. Cover your fucking eyes. Well, <laughs> your description of the guy who owned it was only a little bit off. Um, he was a he was a TikTok star um, who had like <laughs> twenty fucking venomous reptiles, all in like oh. just like plastic totes without locks on them, and he would make TikTok videos of him fucking with his snakes. <laughs> and that snake was on the loose the one that we did the article on last month or last yeah. month last week um was uh out for seven months like it was just out there doing its thing in north carolina for seven months without being reported by the guy who lost it thriving and surviving thriving and surviving um i'm pretty sure they caught the snake i don't Ask me why I hate the Daily Mail in a minute. Um, but he's got like 40 charges, um, most of which are misdemeanors. And one of them includes not reporting the snake being missing to the authorities like immediately. <laughs> and he was a TikTok star. TikTok star. Looks, yeah. looks like a douchebag in the pictures. Dude, I have no idea what I said about him last time. I know I described the most ridiculous thing that I could think in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his nipples weren't showing in the picture, so there's that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He had the tank top that was real skinny down the middle. Yeah, he could have. I mean, he could have pulled it. He could have rocked that look. But I, I think he's like the descendant of that version of a person. Yeah, yeah, he's the next generation. I got it. Yeah. Holy, holy shit. And that that's uh and that's TikTok for you. That's TikTok. Okay, so why I hate the goddamn Daily Mail? It's nothing but ads, and it slows my computer <laughs> to a fucking halt. And you know how I like to print out the PDFs, like yeah. have a PDF just in case the internet starts getting janky on my end. Yeah, I couldn't print out the PDF because every time it would go to render the the page. It would the page would so many ads were on it and so many changes were happening that Chrome would just shit the bed and close the dialog box. <laughs> Not renderable. Yeah. And oh, um, yeah. yeah, and then it used up a bunch of my CPU and there was constantly because I have a, a monitor on my desktop that tells me how much bandwidth is being used at any given moment. And it was just sucking up every available kilobyte. And like <laughs> It was, Sorry, I, yeah. yeah, and I, I wanted to open the article and skim it and make sure that I had the details right, but I couldn't because if I opened it, it would disrupt our call and could fuck with the recording. It uses so much resources. So we might, you know what that, you know might, what that is, what you're seeing there? Yeah. The last dying breath of the, of like the journalistic industry. 
Well, the Daily but, Mail is like just more reputable than us. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. We are the last dying breath of the <laughs> journalistic <laughs> industry. <laughs> Suck it, Daily Mail. We're worse. <sighs> All right. Um, so I put one in here just for me. Uh, Eve Online facing the second summer of rage. You might have missed the first summer of rage, which wasn't last year. <laughs> it was in like 2011. Um, Damn. Ten year anniversary. Yeah, basically a um, a patch came out and pissed a bunch of people off. Uh, let's see, oh yeah, the it a patch came out that people didn't like, and there was an internal magazine from CCP. That's the company that makes Eve Online. Um, they said greed is good in one of the articles, and when that got out, everybody <laughs> everybody lost their shit because um, oh my god, that's not the attitude we want, right? Like we want a, a a homeostasis between the player base and the people making the game. Yeah, the people making the money and the people playing the games. Yeah, we want a, a pretty even exchange, pretty fair exchange, and yeah. like. They were specifically saying in 2011 that they wanted to fuck with that and get as much money out of the system as possible. They just openly said it in 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 an internal newsletter. In a self in a self published news pamphlet inside their organization. Dude, what year did that happen? 2011. Yeah. So Dude, you had mass unsubscribing in 2011. People just some quick. I, I have to interject real quick. That mm -hmm. greed is good thing. That's literally a famous quote from a character in a movie called Wall Street. Yeah. And it's like some like asshole who like is the most awful character that you would never want to emulate. And some 30 years later, they were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be just like that guy. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all I wanted to say. There is kind of a rock star culture at CCP. They're, they're just... Uh, yeah, which, you know, in all fairness, they made one of the longest standing MMOs, and it's really unique, and the player base is really dedicated. So, like, they got, you know, they got a lot of shit that they did right. But, um, yeah, they can't, they can't swing their dick that far. <laughs> so what's happening this year? So what's happening this year, the article goes off on several tangents and um i actually have a way better explanation than the article so i'm going to close it um so there was this uh, in 2019 uh there was this patch that made it so that mining maybe it was 2018 mining became really easy like really really easy and okay. made it so that the price of minerals and ores on the open market dropped drastically and with the cost of crafting resources going down making ships became much cheaper and easier and so there was this big war that started in 2019 maybe 2020 no it was 2019 and um that that war just it started eating up ships you know like 10,000 a day easy just and, eating up ships just wrecking ships yeah yeah, yeah. And the player versus player war well, they um, they released a patch uh, a little while ago, a few months back, that made it so that um, mining is still super easy, but the resources you need are very rare. So you can have these giant mining ships, 
but there's not as many asteroids to mine. Which is yeah. which is creating an inflation problem in the natural resources market. Mm-hmm. And then um, that's driving the price of goods up. And at the same time, they're trying to... Essentially what they're doing is they're trying to get people to buy in-game currency now. Because the cost of ships is going up and you lose ships, then you need something to replace them. And you can get whittled down to a point where you don't have enough you know, ISK, the in-game currency, to buy a new ship to go out and make more ISK. So instead, you can buy Plex. Yeah, yep. All and of it, a sudden, I I'm, I see it now. Continue. Yeah, once you see the relationship between the cost of, of making ships and the cost of playing the game, like, and then the, the, the influx of Plex. Like, Plex is important. Um, you buy it, you sell it for ISK, you know, you get more ISK, you can do crazy shit that you couldn't do otherwise. And the people who harvest, like, who buy Plex in-game with ISK, who buy it from you, where you get the ISK from, they use that to pay for their user accounts. So it has a place. Um, But they're basically trying to make it so that if you play EVE, you buy Plex. But I already paid $15 a month to play EVE. I don't want to spend another 5 to $50 buying Plex. Oh, yeah, not at all. Yeah. Now, there's bundle packages, just as, like, like some people are Puritans and they don't buy Plex ever. Like, if they give me Plex with, like, two months of service and a, you know, cool paint job for my ship, then I'll buy some Plex. But, like, just uh-huh. by itself, never. <laughs> if they bundle the, the service in with it, of course. Because you're like, whatever, I was already going to get the service. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, absolutely. As far as, like, a way to play, like, if you go out and you PvP all the time and you're constantly buying Plex, get good. Stop buying Plex. <laughs> uh-huh. Dude, this uh, this really reminds me of, because I recently t- tried to venture into Fallout 76 again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've sort of mentioned it before. And what I've realized is you can have a lot of fun early game, and then somewhere around level 2025. 20, you start to run into this problem where, yeah, you're still a badass, but your guns are starting to wear out because enemies are taking more shots. Mm-hmm. And there's to repair your we- weapon, it doesn't matter what weapon it is, there's always something that's going to be a bottleneck. In the case of, of me and a lot of people, it's adhesive. At some point, you're repairing your, your, like, your guns often enough because you're keeping your best guns and repairing them. Mm-hmm that you'll eventually run out of adhesive no matter how much you've been scrapping and you'll have to like then either and i've always wondered why they did that because i've run into it three times now you hit a bottleneck for weapon repair and uh it's now as you were talking about the way eve was modeling i go oh it's because they want you to pay for atom points so that you can buy repair kits Mm. in-game repairing it occurred to me now in-game repairing is has just enough rare elements just how you were talking about the rarity of the the ability to mine the stuff Mm -hmm. the the elements are just rare enough that you need that like it'll just become more convenient to like pay in in eve they've hidden it though because like they they make it so that like the mining ships have to go to progressively more dangerous space so sometimes they get blown up and then, uh-huh. 
that like if they have an organized enough cor- corporation and like more ships get blown up because like people come out to defend them and then all those ships get lost and stuff like that and there has this effect on the market where it's making like everything that's going on in that situation is driving up the price of a material that you cannot buy with out of game money so like you you have to like it's going to create this runaway situation where the value of the crafting material goes up so much that the only way to build a ship is with plex yeah yeah i don't know if i explained it right there's it's a little different and it's more nuanced and that hides it better so people are getting outraged about these this situation but they don't fully under most most users don't understand what like the dynamics at play are they just know the game is is becoming uh, more expensive with in-game currency and that the best way to handle that is to buy Plex, which creates a situation where the, the company making the game is winning at something that they should not be winning at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, 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 it like reminds me of like conspiracy theories about government, but like because it's a video game and like we're all consenting to play it, for example, mm-hmm. they can make these like decision moves, like essentially like. When you say a patch, what, what that essentially means is a change in policy. And it's it's more like a governmental move because now, this now dictates what's possible in the game. Yeah. And thus, by dictating what's possible in the game, they can essentially uh, create predictive narrative structures. Yeah. Like, because what you're saying is like, oh, well, by doing this, you're going to ensure that uh, more of the mining ships are going to be in key places that then will cause more conflict because like it's not as safe to mine even anymore you know what I mean mm-hmm. like due to due to the cultural structure created by this policy change aka a patch yeah and it's incredible what they're doing like when you th- this is why people respect CCP is like they're masters of a galaxy like they really are <laughs> running an economy and several nations and like you know they're the shrouded hand they're the shrouded hand behind the curtain you know and frankly they're fucking good at it (laughs) 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 like like maybe we should vote for them (laughs) Uh, you know what i don't know about that (laughs) but uh it is interesting to watch and it's kind of funny because as a game studio it's like i don't know like it's not like the most honest thing to do, but like I sort of just understand the conquestual nature of it, you know. Like these are we are now going to pull the puppet strings, and everyone will now be fighting over asteroids, and it's <laughs> going to make the market do this. Yeah, yeah. It's so, fucking crazy. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that. I'm hoping it doesn't become a pay-to-win game. You know, it's not pay to win right now. The ships are really balanced. You know, you can have um, a top tier ship and get taken down by two or three, you know, tier one ships. Um, right. If they're well strategized and stuff. Yeah. If they're if they're doing their thing right and you can even be doing your thing right and still lose. And, okay. Um, that's like as long as they don't break the actual fucking mechanics of the game, like. Sure, every couple of months I'll bundle another two months with some Plex. Who gives a shit? But, like, (laughs) 
you know, if I have to, if, if a month goes by and I lose so many ships and it's like, I can't make enough to buy new ships, then I'm going to be really sad because yeah. that's not the way, like the way the game is structured right now. Like, yeah, if you want like a ship that's worth, you know, hundreds of millions of ISK, then you either put in a week or two at time or you buy it with cash like that. That's okay as long as you can put in that week or two, you know? And it's not like hell or whatever. I, it's really not okay, though. You know what? I'm actually, I'm not okay with that. That whole, that whole model, because you see that same model in, like, little handheld games on your fucking phone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, either pay money or this thing is going to take 12 hours to make. Mmm. Mm. Like they do it all the time. And that's sort of the same thing. It's the idea of trading time for money. And like, it's okay if the time for money exchange has like a worthwhile experience in it and isn't grueling. Mm-hmm. But if it takes you two weeks to buy a ship that normally like, that like someone that someone then pays $5 for it and now you, they wouldn't have had to work two weeks. That incentive to uh, punishment ratios too too tilted it's it's really fucked up that that time expenditure for money is like wild when i say two weeks to have a ship like i have a gnosis that's worth like a half a billion isk and a half a billion isk is like 10 bucks yeah but if somebody wanted to buy it it wouldn't bother me (laughs) okay okay but like in like like your average ship like so, I didn't give enough context. Like a quarter, like a half billion dollar, half billion esque ship, and it's like it's insane. It's like why did you? Why would I make that? You know, <laughs> like the average ship costs under a hundred million esque. Actually, costs like under fifty million esque. Actually, the average frigate or destroyer costs under twenty five million esque. <laughs> Okay, okay. So we're talking about luxury items here. Yeah. yeah. So it's either 10, 10 bucks or two weeks for a luxury item, yeah. not just something you need to get by. Yeah, if, if you just need some shit to get by, like, if you're part of a good corporation, they'll just kick it down because it's hardly worth anything. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, like, right, we're back. Titans, Titans are ridiculous. Titans are like hundreds or thousands of dollars, depending on how they're fitted. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Windows uh, 11 is coming out. Yeah. Fucking liars. (laughs) Goddamn fucking liars. Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of true because if you have Windows 10 right now, when Windows 11 drops... In the latter part of the year, you're supposed to get a free upgrade. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. kind of. So, um, I don't know what I think of this. Um, they're doing some UI changes, um, some user interface changes. I know that every time they've tried to deviate strongly from where they're at, um, everybody fucking hates it. So yeah. There's that. Um, but what will probably happen is the same thing that happened with 8 going to 8.1 is the UI gets changed and then um, there's outcry and then the UI gets changed to closer to the way it was before so it's less of a jarring transition to the new user. Yeah, yeah, forget all those tiles. Those tiles can suck a dick, dude. Yeah, they don't do you any good. 
No. They're there for tablet mode. Really, and that's really what it's about. And, like, who even uses tablet mode? Losers, that's who. (laughs) (laughs) Or people with touch screens. Yeah, I mean, I have a touch screen. I almost never do it. Yeah, and there's a touch screen in the living room here, and um, I put I put Ubuntu on it because Windows was just chugging too hard. <laughs> you just in there, just Linux and everything up. Yeah, there's like pretty much there's there's a laptop that the house has <laughs> that has Windows. Uh-huh. <laughs> I use yeah. it to make Windows boot disks. <laughs> All right, all right. Yeah, well, and you just you just out here making Windows boot disks. Well, if I need to fix somebody else's computer, there's a way to make a Windows boot disk on Linux, and I I did it recently, and it's like a little more time, like than it's worth. Like if you already have the disk image for Windows 10 downloaded, and then you go through the process, it's quicker. But um. If you don't have that that image, you might as well just use a Windows PC to do it because it's going to download the freshest copy for you and do like all of the crazy uh, like boot management shit like configuration. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and Windows 11 won't support all of the hardware that Windows 10 does. In fact, they've got a cutoff that's fairly recent. Like the what first the ge- first generation Ryzen chips, not supported. I don't know what those are, and I hope I don't have them. Yeah, well, I mean, Windows 10 is going to be supported until 2025. You, what, you'll probably get exposed to it by getting a Windows 10 or a Windows 11 computer. Um, when it's new. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a desktop at some point. I realize that, uh, it's kind of, uh, ridiculous that I don't have a desktop. Given your, yeah. Given given your everything that's going on. Yeah. Get a desktop. (laughs) Yeah. A 32 gigs of Ram. Every time you say that, I want to, I want to punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) So jealous. It's so nice, dude. I run like two virtual machines at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Whatever. Sometimes, sometimes I, I turn them on just for fun. I, I want to be able to record uh, uh, vocals without latency. Mm. You know? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, fuck that- off. <laughs> <laughs> get, a, get a Ryzen 5 and 32 gigs of RAM and you'll be all right. All right. I'll work on that. I'm I'm squirreling I'm squirreling it away. I'm sitting on some nuts. Yeah, I'm gonna stop 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 stop. stop.